Ever watch a movie so crazy, yet it was based on a true story? We'll go behind the Hollywood script and get the facts behind the story of how a prank caller got a McDonald's employee to be strip searched and the story of how a bear overdosed on cocaine on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Super friends, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned, and hopefully you'll find it interesting too. I'm one half of your hosts, Isela. Joining me as always is the man who keeps me up to date with all the news. <laughs> Jose, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Can't complain. That's good to hear. I think I might be joining the cold kids with you. Cold kids? What do you mean, cold kids? Well, you said last episode that you were really cold. Oh, right. And remember I asked you if your heater was working? Yes. Well, I got my gas bill today. Yes. And it was so high, it made the monocle pop out of my eye <laughs> and it landed into my martini. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know you either. You <laughs> did either of those drink martinis or had a monocle. <laughs> Well, I don't have a monocle anymore because it popped right out of my eye. Right. Okay. Well, we got to replace the monocle. Just use the other one that you probably popped out of the other glasses. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Good idea. But yeah, it came out to almost $90, which is the most my gas has ever been. Oh, wow. No, it's. I think mine was a lot higher. My daughter's always like, it's too cold. But yet she's walking around in a t-shirt and I keep telling her, uh, it's January. <laughs> What is your prop? Go put on a dang sweater. So anyway, yeah, I hear you. Yours is cheaper compared to mine, but not by a whole lot. There's two of you and there's only one of me. So I would imagine yours would be twice as high. That's the way it works, right? No, no, not, no. not necessarily. But it is it is a little bit higher, not by a whole lot. But anyway. Usually the highest that my gas bill usually comes out is maybe like $65. So it was much higher. That's surprising considering that you stay home too. Yeah. Like you're you're one of the lucky remote workers. I love it. Yeah. I I hear you there. Absolutely. When I get to do that. Until I get my gas bill. <laughs> Sad panda. <laughs> Definitely. Do you know what time it is, sir? It's shout out time. It is. I'm so excited. You didn't do your song and dance this time. I know. I know. That's how excited. I just was like, yes, let's tell the world. <laughs> <laughs> the queen, Elena, the Duke, Stephen B., Mrs. Elba, Tales from the Dark Road podcast, and never least, ContraZoom Pod podcast. Thank you guys so, so much for sharing our posts. Thank you. Kicking it off with a question, you know how this goes. Were you ever a fan of those prank callers back in our heyday? They were called the Jerky Boys. I love the Jerky Boys. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember any like funny, noteworthy pranks that they did? I do. I think I steal the majority of my material from the Jerky Boys. To this day? To this day, yeah. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Especially <laughs> when I do my Saul Rosenberg voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I I never really heard them, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, most of their stuff is super problematic, so I won't say any of their lines, but yes, I am very familiar. It was misogynistic, or what do you mean? 
very misogynistic, very homophobic. Oh, wow. Well, it was a different time. I mean, that was like, sadly, a lot of that stuff was going on back then. Sadly, yes. In that same vein, do you think a prank call over a landline could result in another person's undressing against their will in your face? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jose made a very <laughs> quizzical face. <laughs> well, originally I was going to say no, but I was like, well, right now there's a lot of fraud things that are going on. And um, I don't know if you've heard those relationship fraud cases that are sweeping the nation. Relationship fraud? Yeah, the boyfriend scams or girlfriend scams. <laughs> I have not heard of this. <laughs> well, the way that it works, uh, and I'll, I'm only aware of it because of the news, but um, somebody will pretend to be, um, well, it, it, it can happen numerous ways, right? Right now, the way that it's most popular is through text message, is they'll text somebody the wrong the wrong number. Like they'll say like, hey, Albert, whatever, I'm not going to be able to come pick you up tomorrow. So you as a kind person will be like, oh, I'm sorry, you got the wrong number. And then they'll eventually end up starting a conversation with you. Usually those will be like more like um, to try to get you to invest in cryptocurrency or whatever. But pretty much the same kind of thing goes with social media. They'll um, start up a conversation with you and eventually, you know, they'll say that, oh, you know, I, I have feelings for you and everything. But the ultimate goal is to get you to send them nudies. Oh, oh my gosh. And the reason they do that is because once they have your nude pictures, they'll start asking for money. And if, they, if you tell them, well, you know what, I'm not going to send you any money. They're like, okay, that's fine. What I'll go ahead and do is look at your contacts and I'll start sending the nudes to the people that are in your contacts. Wow. I'd be like, joke's on you. I sent it to everybody in my... In my contacts. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I hear it's very popular on Facebook and Instagram. Wow, that sounds awful. Okay. So originally I was going to say no. I don't think that you could get somebody to undress over the phone, but I'm like, well, you know, people will do that with strangers uh, on social media. So I think that uh, somebody could convince somebody to undress. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, in today's first half of the episode, we're going to talk about a story of a prank call which escalated to a McDonald's employee being strip searched and even to a sexual assault level. Wow. It's so unbelievable. A movie was made about it. It was called Compliance. Before we dive in, here's a quick question. No, I have not. <laughs> what is the best movie you've seen that was based on a true story? I would probably have to go with Batman v Superman. I don't think you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you listening, sir? <laughs> Pretty sure those are actual characters. We'll, we'll try that again. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, we can circle back at the end of our episode and then give you a little extra time to think about it and then we can chit chat about it. Sure. I'll think about it during our commercial break. Okay. Yeah, you can definitely do that then. And in the second half of the episode, we're also going to chat about another outlandish yet true story, which was made into a movie. You already know about it, but we need to share it with the world. Is it Zola? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's about a bear. No big deal, right? There's been lots of movies about bears. The Great Outdoors, Brother Bear, Ted. Well, I guess that's a teddy bear. <laughs> Bad news bears. No, wait. Okay. <laughs> the bear in this movie causes all kinds of pandemonium because it was on cocaine. Yes, cocaine bear. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember watching this trailer and thinking, 
There is no way this is a true story. So both of these things are from movies where you are thinking, there's no way this is a true story. And yet it is. Well, on the Cocaine Bear movie, they embellished a lot. Did you watch the movie? No, but I did read something about it. I think it was on the New York Times. I think they were saying the only parts that were, were true was the guy that threw the cocaine out of the airplane because the it was making the airplane too heavy and the bear finding the cocaine and ODing on it. Everything else in that movie has all been made up because they really don't know what the bear did when it was on the cocaine. Right. It's not like this bear was wearing some kind of cocaine GoPro or something. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, the trailer looks amazing. Like, it looks like he's going to be recruited as one of the Avengers. Like, I expect to see Samuel L. Jackson come out at the end in the cutscene and recruit him as part of the Avengers. It does look really crazy. So crazy, in fact, that I'm already planning on watching this movie. <laughs> Me too. I definitely want to see it also. Okay. We got to watch it together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I believe it's Ray Liotta's last movie before passing away. You're right. You're right. I think you are absolutely correct. I know he's in it, but I don't know. I, but I think that is his last movie. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we had a good little chitty chat about that one. But yes, yeah, this is the installment we call. That was a true story. You know, very, <laughs> very Scooby-Doo. <laughs> All right. Warning. This is a pretty frustrating story. This comes from a documentary on Netflix. Don't pick up the phone was the title, which at first sounds pretty cool. I was getting like scream vibes, you know, scream the movie vibes. But instead, it was just deeply frustrating. <laughs> it was a regular working shift on April 9th, 2004 for a McDonald's location in Mount Washington, Kentucky. A call was answered by the shift manager, Donna Summers, not to be confused with the queen of disco. Donna answered the phone and a male voice explained he was an officer and he had a couple of other McDonald's corporate representatives on the line. He stated that an employee of theirs there at McDonald's was being accused of stealing a wallet from the customer and goes on to describe the employee saying he had video, specifying she was petite and brunette. Right away, Donna said she knows exactly who it is and brought in 18-year-old Louise Ogborn into the office. Quick little background on Louise. Her mom had started to have some health problems and this caused the mom to lose her job. Thoughtful Louise had taken the job at McDonald's to help contribute to the struggling family. How nice is that? That's pretty sweet, actually. That is very sweet. It was a really busy night during the dinner rush, and Louise offered to stay and help her coworkers out. Again, super nice and thoughtful Louise. Back to the phone call. The man told Donna Summer that the police had planned on arresting the employee in the restaurant, but they didn't have any available policemen. It would be great if she could help them out and get her to at least empty out Louise's pockets. You see her emptying out the pockets. Nothing's going on. Poor Louise at that time looks confused. The assistant manager also comes into the office, blocked the office window with a trash bag. The reason Louise was being ordered to remove her clothes until she was fully naked. Wow. She was being ordered by the man on the phone. All of her articles of clothing were put into a trash bag. Again, orders by the man on the phone. They even told the shift manager, Donna, to grab the trash bag and put it into her car, which basically means she's fully naked. There's no chance of her putting clothes back on until someone goes outside. She can't even run outside, even if she wanted to. They do give her 
an apron. Like, really? An apron to cover herself? That's the best they can do? Might as well give her a few cheeseburger wrappers. It's just as effective. <laughs> or the cheese. Or the, I know. <laughs> Poor little cheese. I know. <laughs> just put it on the, on the grill a little bit so it kind of melts and then it'll mold to the body. That makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> the man on the phone is barking all these orders for some reason. Donna's complying. And like I said, there's no way that Louise wants to run out of the restaurant because she would be completely naked. And there's kids there, et cetera, families. So quick question here. What would you do if you were Louise, the one being strip searched around this time? I would have just left. Like even before they told me, hey, you know, we need to strip search you or whatever. I would be like, you know what? Get me a warrant first. Yeah, exactly. I would have been like, absolutely not. Like, I know I need this job, but I will quit before. I'm sure there's a Taco Bell somewhere else. <laughs> They're not going to do that. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. I would have left too before. I, I probably wouldn't have even taken off a first article of clothing. Neither would I. But also, I'm not very attractive. So I don't think very many people would want to see me naked to begin with. So <laughs> I don't know if it's that. You know what? I would probably take off my shoe so I could give them the chunkla. Just kidding. <laughs> The reason Louise said she felt she had to comply is because she grew up in a military household, raised to follow orders from any and all elders. The whole respect your elders thing. Well, she was 18 too, so I'm sure she's a little naive and, you know, she hasn't fully lived and seen how horrible people could be. Right. I don't think she's quite grown. You know, sometimes you have to kind of grow into a backbone and poor thing. She probably hadn't really gotten that stand up for yourself, Jean. Yet, you know, some other guy comes into the office, not an employee, takes the phone. This rando, if you will, is Donna's fiance, Walter, someone she trusted. Again, not a McDonald's employee. And in the office, like all these people are coming in while she's totally naked. This is awful. The man on the phone ordered Walter, the fiance, to take off the apron from Louise her only protection, allowing her to probably keep the last shreds of dignity she might still have had at this point. Then he made her put her hands up and shake. He made her do jumping jacks, explaining his order, saying, you don't know where the money might fall out of. Like, what? <laughs> she, like, she's a human piggy bank. <laughs> like, what the hell? What slot will the money fall out of? I know, I know. It's so humiliating. It's so awful, honestly. I feel bad for even laughing. Okay, I'm telling you, the whole time I was watching, I was just growing in frustration. There was no way. I, I was incredulous and frustrated at the same time. Up to this point, the strip search had been going on for about two hours. Two hours of this humiliation and straight, like, traumatizing orders. Walter even spanked her buttocks <laughs> for 20 minutes, all caught on CCTV. You can even see her bottom getting red from how much spanking he did. That's ridiculous. It's super ridiculous. She was forced to give Walter a kiss to check for alcohol. Again, atrocious. It's about to get worse. Hang on to your pearls. The man <laughs> told Walter she had to perform oral sex on him. And she does. Oh, my God. From a prank call, people. Okay, like, hold the phone, you guys. <laughs> what would you do now if you were Walter, 
the one on the phone getting the orders? Like, at what point do you hang up on this POS? And I don't mean (laughs) point of sale. (laughs) Well, I was going to say I would probably enjoy it for a little bit. I mean. No, (laughs) no, you would not. That's so awful. We just lost viewers or (laughs) listeners. (laughs) No, I I know that I would have a big uh, moral dilemma. Yeah, it's. I don't think I would. I would just be like, who What? Who are you? Who are you? I think the moment I would have come out on the phone, I would have said, you know what? Do you have any type of warrant? Do you have any type of uh, arrest? Whatever. I, I don't know. None of the police stuff. So uh, whatever a police or an arrest order or whatever they're called. Yeah. Like a, whatever their jargon. Yeah. And I would say, if you do have that, then come down and present it to us. But this is humiliating. This is uh, degrading. Very degrading. That's a perfect word for it. A much older man came into the office, gets on the phone, takes that phone call. And now he's getting a blowjob too. (laughs) Right. Everybody. (laughs) From what I understood, he was one of the custodians of the restaurant. After maybe a minute on the call, he was the only person with enough common sense to hang up on the prank caller and told them to get clothes on this poor young woman. This prank happened in 32 states, totaling over 73 cases in the span of 10 years. And this is just one of the calls. On a separate call, a manager strip searched a customer that fit the description of the person they were talking about. Can you imagine being a customer? Oh my God. How is this jerk not caught? That's ridiculous. It is for 10 freaking years. Oh my gosh. Please tell me that he was caught and arrested. I'm about to get into that. Yes. Excellent question. The man was calling from a payphone using calling cards, which made it incredibly difficult to trace back. But thankfully, when the man hung up on him, he did a star 69. And for those kids that are listening that are too young to understand what that is, it's basically a feature that will call back the last number that was called in from, I guess. They had a phone number. That's how they knew it was a payphone. But remember, they're in Kentucky. This payphone was traced to Florida. This man was doing it, again, all over the country. Ultimately, David Stewart was found not guilty of any charges, despite video of him buying the calling cards. And a calling card was found at the residence, even though he told police he did not have any of those calling cards. So they did find one and they were able to trace it back to calling like certain Burger Kings and stuff like that. But for some reason, the jury found him not guilty. Very upsetting. Did they say why he was not found guilty? Like, was it some type of technicality? They said they didn't have proof of him, of him calling McDonald's. Some bullshit reason then. I agree. 18-year-old Luis won $6.1 million from McDonald's. I'm loving it. Or at least that part. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For $6.1 million, I'll do whatever they ask me to. I don't. I think that would really fuck me up mentally. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) No, that's awful. I have dignity, but it's also got a price. Well, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Yes. (laughs) That's a good. uh, That's going to be a good little snippet to use (laughs) later. (laughs) But yeah, that was a true story. Can you believe this? Sadly, I can. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, 
one of my oldest friends, moving on to this next topic anyway, one of my oldest friends had shared the movie trailer of uh, like a group of us. And that's the cocaine bear trailer that we were talking about. So I was originally going to talk about how like Carrie Russell is in it, Ray Liotta, O'Shea Jackson. But I kind of fucked that up. Sorry. No, no, I'm glad you I'm glad you know all about this. This is awesome. But I would say instead, we'll go to a commercial and we'll come back into this wacky story of the cocaine bear. Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. My name is John Lorden, and I've been looking into hundreds of unsolved mysteries over the past five years on my YouTube channel, Lorden Arts. And I've been known to bring a respectful, victim-focused approach to the stories that I cover while donating thousands of dollars directly to those cases and the charities that help them. Now, I'm bringing that approach and sensibility, along with some of the biggest mysteries I've ever looked into and some new ones, to a weekly podcast called Seriously Mysterious. From bizarre occurrences to unsolved murders and unexplainable disappearances, everything is fair game on this show as long as it's seriously mysterious. You can find Seriously Mysterious on your favorite podcatchers or by visiting seriouslymysterious.com. Let's look into the mysterious together. we're back how was your break good i just kind of stood around and drank water good all right that's all you need to do <laughs> how was your break it was lovely just had some tea <laughs> oh nice what kind of tea did you have it's honey chamomile and absolutely delicious nice yeah i don't need any more caffeine to get me all crazy <laughs> i was making some kind of a uh chris farley motion <laughs> i wasn't sure that's what you were going for okay no, it's the only the only person I remember him moving really fast like that. Anyway. <laughs> I thought you were doing like an East Coast rapper type thing. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so this movie is coming out next month in February, depending on when people are listening to this, but it comes out in February, just in time for Valentine's Day. <laughs> just kidding. Perfect date movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Break out your trapper keeper and your transparent landline phone. Because we're going back to the 80s for this true story of Cocaine Bear. Woohoo! <laughs> this comes from a couple of articles and a short video. Link is always in the show notes. So now you know what you don't have to read or watch. <laughs> the morning of September 11th, 1985, Fred Myers found a dead pilot. What? <laughs> Scary already. Who, by the way, started out, this dead pilot started out as a narcotics officer who turned to the dark side. I, yeah, that already sounds kind of exciting. I wish I would have been able to interview that guy already. <laughs> Fred saw this poor man behind him 
who are in front of him rather, who was in a parachute. He had a big bag, was wearing Gucci loafers. Ooh, Gucci loafers. <laughs> Night vision goggles, a bulletproof vest. I mean, that's probably the only thing that's cooler as an accessory than the Gucci loafers, right? <laughs> the bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice, definitely. For sure. He also had two guns, two knives, food, rope, $4,500 in cash. I mean, this guy was totally ready to crash a party. <laughs> right here, right off the bat, if you came out and saw this poor man dead in your driveway, what would you do if you were Fred Myers? Mm, I might help myself to a couple of those bills, <laughs> and then I would contact the you know the local law enforcement or something. Right, you're like, I swear it was only $2,000, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so who was this pilot? Andrew Thornton was flying a drug route from Colombia up to the United States for some reason. And you probably read an article that was a little bit more specific, but the couple of articles that I had read, it just said for some reason he had to jump out of this plane. And when he jumped out, he landed in the Chattahoochee National Forest. My favorite national forest. <laughs> Your favorite, right? <laughs> Everybody's got a favorite. <laughs> I just like saying Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. Yeah, it reminds me of that song. <laughs> <laughs> he got tangled in his parachute and plummeted to his death in Knoxville, Tennessee. Adrenaline Andrew sounded like a hoot because his friends did say that he liked to push the timing limit on how late he could open the chute. I guess he found the uh, upper limit of that test. <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> a little backstory on Adrenaline Andrew. He was part of the 101st Airborne Division, which seems why he was so comfortable jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. He was even a Purple Heart recipient. Wow. Yeah. Three months after Fred had found Andrew's body, the police stumbled upon 40 open containers and empty containers with trace amounts of cocaine and one very dead, 170 pounds, large black bear. Hence the clever nickname, Pablo Escobar. What? <laughs> <laughs> the police assume that Andrew threw out the 40 containers of cocaine because he knew it was weighing him down too much, like you had mentioned. Again, this is the assumption. So just want to make it very clear. This is what the police are assuming, which does completely make sense. But of course, we don't have anybody to interview and find out if that's the truth, right? <laughs> so apparently, he threw out all this cocaine, did the uh, the drug drop, basically. And once he jumped out, landed safely, he could retrieve said package of business. And great, you know, all would have been normal if that's the way it was supposed to go. Back to factual information. The autopsy revealed of the black bear, the autopsy revealed its stomach was jam-packed with cocaine. Escobar also suffered cerebral hemorrhaging, which is fancy Nancy speak for bleeding of the brain, respiratory failure, hypothermia, renal failure, like kidney failure, heart failure. I mean, it sounds like all the bad stuff that you can think of. Poor thing. That's what had happened to this poor mammal's body. To quote you, quoting Rick James, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I love that Chappelle show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
The bear was given to a taxidermist. After he was done, the bear was given to the Chattahoochee National Forest. There, he kind of hung out there for a little bit, yet there was a forest fire scare. So they moved Escobar into a storage facility just for safekeeping. But I guess word got out and he was stolen after only being in there for a month in storage. Then he was sold to a pawn shop. It eventually got into the hands of American country singer Waylon Jennings. And then later, he gave it to his friend Ron Thompson. Coincidentally, Ron was like the Las Vegas connect for wealthy folks to help find like party drugs. Not a bad final resting place. A Vegas mansion. <laughs> also, why does it sound like this also had like way more fun in Vegas than I have ever had? <laughs> <laughs> How much cocaine do you usually do when you're in Vegas, though? None. None. Thank God I've never done any of that. There's your problem. Okay. <laughs> I'm not partying with the right bears. <laughs> the only missed opportunity about that taxidermied bear is they didn't put any white powder on its nose. Like They could have <laughs> at least gotten uh, those powdered donuts and put a little bit of the, the powdered sugar under its nose. That would have so been funny. the chef's kiss. The cherry on top. That would be pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After Thompson died, Escobar went up for auction. A Chinese man had bought the bear for 200 bucks. He wanted to display it in his house, but his wife put the kibosh on that dream really quickly. He had to put Escobar in his store. He was fine there. Later on, the wife was like, absolutely not having it. An organization, Kentucky for Kentucky, only paid shipping. The wife was like, just get it out of here. And it finally was returned back home in 2016. And Escobar has called Kentucky Fun Mall its home. This concludes our last installment of That Was a True Story. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go to Kentucky Fun Mall with a little bit of sugar, powdered sugar, put it on its nose. I wonder how close we can get to it. Yeah, that would be really funny. I would be willing to cross a barrier to do that, to pull that prank. Cross a barrier, <laughs> that's funny. Here's a question for you, though. Would you display Escobar in your house? Maybe somewhere by your Funkos? Nope, I wouldn't. I would display a Funko of Cocaine Bear, but not a actual thing that used to live before. I think that's kind of gross and kind of morbid. Would that be too scary? You wake up one day, ah, oh, go down, what the <laughs> You're going to the bathroom. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be too scary. I would just think it's kind of morbid. You know, the foxes that I normally hunt when I go fox hunting, uh, as I mentioned in our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> I never keep any of those. <laughs> Good. That's, uh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do not fox hunt. Please don't come at me, people. <laughs> I know, the PETA, the PETA people. Also, the, uh, the irony that he was still partying in his like post-mortem in, in this like Vegas mansion, that irony is like not lost on me, by the way. It's great. <laughs> I think it's perfect for him. I'm not going to lie. I like that for the bear. Yeah. He should have kind of stayed there, but I get it. They wanted to bring him home and home they brought him. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts? Well, actually, I was going to ask you. Yes. Would you display that bear in your home? Or you'd be like the wife, like, absolutely not get rid of that fucking thing. I don't think I would. I, I think the story is hilarious because I would have never thought this was a true story. However, I can just tell the story as opposed to have it in my house somewhere. <laughs> It would look great next to your Cabbage Patch doll. No, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> what did you come up with as far as what the best 
true story or movie based on a true story is? Well, you know me, I can never remember anything. So I did a cursory search online. Sure. And initially I was going to say Argo. I was like, you know, you got Batman, Ben Affleck, and then um, the writer who wrote for it, coincidentally enough, was also the writer of Batman v Superman. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you got, got a nice little team there. Yes. But then I scrolled down more and then I came across the Zodiac. And that is such an amazing movie. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. And um, I don't want to say it's one of the only serial killers I admire because I don't admire him. (laughs) Okay, good. But I do appreciate his theatrics. Right. Yeah. That was a fun episode for sure. If you guys haven't heard it, definitely check it out. Yes, for sure. I did an awful impression of the Zodiac as Bane. (laughs) (laughs) Which which only made it funnier, actually. (laughs) What about you, Isela? I'm with you on Argo. I thought that movie was so well done. It honestly was so well done. I had not even heard about that story until I watched the movie. So I kind of knew that it was loosely based on a true story. But oh my gosh, it was so exciting. Yeah, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I had always wanted to see it because I, I think it won like an Academy Award or something like that. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, I want to say it won an Academy Award. If not, I'm sure Dakota will correct us. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. I'm glad he's listening. <laughs> but then when I was looking at the cast, it was just one of those crazy things. And I saw that somebody was playing Jack Kirby, who's one of the most celebrated comic book artists ever. He's responsible for a lot of things like Darkseid on, on DC, Thanos on Marvel, which is why they look very similar. He's responsible for the Eternals. He's responsible for so much. That's things that most people who are not into comics would probably be familiar with just because they made movies about him. I see. But um, yeah, when I found out that he was, there was somebody cast to play Jack Kirby, I was like, okay, I need to see how does Jack Kirby play into this whole picture. And um, it's been a long time since I've seen Argo, but I remember he, he there were some drawings that he made that they used, um, I want to say like to hide maps or to hide um, hide something. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time since I saw Argo. Maybe you you might remember. I remember they did have a plan and I guess maybe like the the like schematics of how they were going to go in and I don't want to ruin it for whoever hasn't seen it, but how they were going to make their entry into this uh, heavily guarded place. Yeah. So that person that was drawing that, that was Jack Kirby. Oh, that's very cool. Ah, very neat. Look at all these fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I could remember more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that's always a good movie to rewatch for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You have learned along with us. Now you have two true stories to entertain your lunch buddy this week. (laughs) We hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Follow us on all the socials at greetingstac. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us or if you just want to say hello. Or if you want to tell us what your favorite movie that's based on a true story. Yes, let's start that. 